Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back, Outcasters, to your ABTV Outcast After Show. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4. It's called A Wrath Unseen. And we're really, we're going to debate amongst ourselves which one of these nice people has the worst life. And we will ask each other the all-important question, would you know if you were preaching to a demon? All of that and more coming up. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was, this was, as I was saying before we went on mic, this was like middle school, <laughs> slightly <laughs> angsty Lex's anthem. It was like this and like a whole host of other Aerosmith ballads. <laughs> And it is appropriate because the holes in the souls of all of the characters oh, we're tracking yeah. on the show just seem to be growing. Uh, yes. So, hi, everybody who's <laughs> joining us for the first time or rejoining us. This is our f- fourth, fourth, and so we're almost halfway so. through the season, yeah, which crazy. is nuts. I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I'm here with. I am, of course, Lucretia Lyon, and you can find me anywhere at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, since there is only one. I love that intro that you do. <laughs> Every time. Hey, guys, I'm Abby Vega. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. And don't forget to follow us all, but also mm-hmm. go to iTunes, like us, subscribe us to us, subscribe to us. You can't subscribe us. That doesn't make sense. Maybe. Nope. Walk it back. Take it again. Like us, subscribe to us, rate us five stars, text all your friends, being like, oh, yeah. do you see the ABTV Outcast? after show it's great you should watch it it's all on fleek right there our, our after show game is is on fleek yeah. yes so all right we've seen up until now how aggressively outcast the show and the storytellers bringing it to us have doubled down on on making sure there is there's no two ways about it kyle barnes just has a horrible life <laughs> yeah so we get to an episode like the one we saw we saw this week this episode called A Wrath Unseen, and it's it's nice in that we spread the misery around a little bit. Truth. And we see Kyle's life doesn't get better this <laughs> week, to be sure, but everyone else's life is noticeably worse. Yes. So as, a, as an hour of television, as the next chapter of this story, and compared to the three previous installments, how did you guys feel about this most recent episode as a whole before we jump into specifics? This was by far my favorite episode. I was thinking that. So why? I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's... You find out... I love when you find out stuff about the past, and I feel like there were some twists that I did not see coming. Definitely with Megan. That was... I don't know. I just... <laughs> it was my favorite episode. I, I loved it, and... I, there's a, a lot of predictions I have after this episode, okay. but obviously I'll wait for those, but I just enjoyed it, and I just love the way that this show is filmed, and every episode to me just keeps getting better, so we'll see. 
Yeah, I have to say, I think I do kind of agree that this was my favorite episode, even though they've all been really awesome, but it's just till now, because I just love, it It really fulfilled my buddy cop fantasy of them, whenever Reverend Anderson comes over, and he's just like, yeah, alright, I'll get my keys, like, <laughs> you know, like, says that, like, like, didn't even have to say anything, it's like, alright, we're gonna get the demon. <laughs> No, but I really like, and now I I will never let this die. I really like your Reverend Anderson, which yeah. is just he grabs his keys. All right, we're gonna get the demon. I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> um, and and Abby, I like that you you pointed out specifically how well shot this yes. series is. And mm-hmm. I'm at, okay. So at the same time that I'm watching Outcast uh, in real time with everybody else as it's airing, I'm going back and I'm rewatching Hannibal, which I don't know mm. if either of you guys have watched I it. Did not. It is phenomenal, and it is noteworthy for a bunch of different reasons, but it's very similar in that it's a horror series that just looks incredible. There's yeah. there's nothing they're doing because it doesn't it's not necessary to the way they're telling their story on Outcast. There's nothing that I would compare directly to the way, for example, they almost fetishize the way they shoot food on mm-hmm. Hannibal, for example. But it's another it's another horror series that just looks incredible. Yeah. It's about as good as most movies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline you're gonna see yeah. and and all, if I'm not mistaken some of the creative stuff I know Jeff uh, Vlaming Vlaming who's a writer uh, and a producer on Outcast. he came mm-hmm. over from Hannibal as well so I know that there's there's some crossover there but I keep having these moments where certain elements of of aesthetic and tone will feel very much like the previous so you should absolutely check Hannibal. it out if you haven't seen it it's amazing alright so Right up top, we open we open with sadness because we can't we can waste no time getting <laughs> yes. directly to the misery. And they're they're burying poor Norval, who seems to have had no family or friends. Yeah. Except Kyle. In Sydney. It's right, Apparently. okay. Apparently. Right. Yeah. So the only people there are Kyle and you know, Reverend Anderson's there, but then you see you see Sydney show up. What? Yeah. <laughs> That was my yeah. reaction completely. What is happening? That was, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what to think. You know, he's just like that little movie or TV trope of every time you see this guy show up, you're like, oh, yep, something bad yes. might happen. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you do, we now see him for the first time interacting directly mm-hmm. with Kyle and Reverend Anderson. And we've gotten this impression, you know, certainly from the scene where Sydney spoke to Kyle's catatonic mother. We know that Kyle is a specific point of interest for them, and we know Mm -hmm. that Kyle figures into whatever his evil plan is, but for the most part, so far, and we are almost halfway through our season, Mm. for the most part, Sydney, who we we do get the impression, I think, tell me if, if either of you disagree, we get the impression that if he's not in charge, if he's not the ultimate evil, he's at least, you know, he ranks out there. Oh, yeah. I think that, I don't know if he's maybe in charge, but I think he might be, like, the step below kind of sent to make sure everything's going smoothly. Right. You know? But but so far, all we've really seen him do is hang out. Yes. Just always be there. Creepily looking up, like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, We've seen, sure. You'd be, if you missed that one scene where, yes, the scene with Kyle's mother, he was very openly and specifically mm. sinister. If you missed that scene, you would be forgiven for <laughs> thinking that he was just a nice old friend of Norville's who happened to be around town and just was late for the funeral. I don't know, though. That, no. that weird scene of him shaving kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies, mm. too. It's a good point. <laughs> like, there was something sinister about the way he was shaving his face. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I would want to see that with a different score. You know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. it doesn't, it didn't help him shaving where, where the score was all. I know, exactly. Like anything is sinister when True. you play. Hey, Mark, if we get the clip with Walking on Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Well, and so, but you, because you mentioned the shaving, I mean, we do, you know, if we connect the dots that are not terribly difficult to connect, it does seem very much like Sydney is the one who killed poor Norval. Yes. Pretty sure he did. Because we saw the razor at the end of the last the last episode, and it seems like the assumption made by the one or two people that showed up is that Norval, poor Norval, did himself in. He couldn't handle the yeah. isolation, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, so Sydney's just Sydney's just hovering. Sydney's just toying with them because he knows, and he knows he's not in a hurry. Right? Is the vibe that yeah. I get from him? Oh yeah, he seems always very like calm, cool, collected, just kind of <laughs> strolling along. Because I feel like, you know what it is? I feel like Sydney is watching the show along with us, and he knows he doesn't have to do much. He yeah. knows that things are just going to keep getting worse for Kyle, as they as they do this week. And I want, there are a couple of different branches. I mean, they all tend, they, they, there's more, I think, crossover between the disparate plot lines in this episode than there were certainly last week, because you've got... Anderson's personal journey, you've got Kyle's personal journey, and you've got Megan and Mark's journey, and they all trapes over the line into each other's story. Mm-hmm. It all, of course, has the net effect of making everybody's life Fuck. Uh, just, just, just a great deal worse. Yeah, because yes. Sydney's just like, I don't even have to do anything. This kid's life sucks as it is. I just creepily walk around, you know, just well, watching. And then I go like, based on what we now know about the town of Rome, do either of you guys get the impression this was all that great a place without the demons? I don't think so. Mm. No, it kind of seems like a sad, tired old town that I don't understand why anyone would stay there kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Well, but... I, I found myself thinking about the number of people we that I guess are so unpleasant to begin with, we can't even tell if they're possessed by demons. I know. <laughs> well, and with this show, with just everything now, definitely after this episode, I honestly have no idea. Like you said... Do you, would you know if you're preaching to a demon? I would have no mm-hmm. idea. So, okay. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so because you brought that up, we spend a lot of time this episode going back and dealing with Mildred, which was, for me, awesome because we get more time with Grace Zabriskie, who's yes. a wonderful, wonderful actress. And I was hoping after she had, you know, a, a scene and a half, maybe, I think it was episode two, I was really hoping that we'd get to see more of her mm-hmm. and, oh boy, did we? Yes. Was very but there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack here because of the way that they are very slowly doling out parts of their mythology. Mm-hmm. So the big question, the the big 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 question that they're left with is all of these exorcisms that Anderson performed did did they do anything? Yeah. I'm guessing no. Yeah, I'm guessing <laughs> that this case with Mildred, he's realized that he didn't do anything. And that's why the scene where they talk about pride was so interesting. That was a great scene, by mm-hmm. the way. Because, I mean, I think we can all relate to that. And then he's like, you know, yeah, that's the sin that sneaks up on you. I mean, and he's talking about himself and how he thought he'd done all this great work. And then nothing. Still demons. Yeah. <laughs> 
And what is that? What does that do to somebody when you realize? Yeah, not only not only is this perception of your own work unraveling in front of you, but he gave up his family for this. What was all of that for? And we get a lot of really great conversations. One of them, Lucretia, is the one that you just brought up about, mm-hmm. you know, he introduced, like, what is your favorite sin? And mm-hmm. he talks about pride. But then we also get this earlier conversation between him and uh, Patricia, Scully, Scully's sister, <laughs> um, where you get a lot of information about who Anderson is through this collection that he has, mm-hmm. this collection of little little totems. And it's stuff that was given to him as, like, little tokens of appreciation for job well done, doing the Lord's work and protecting the people. And then ultimately having to return the little Fisher Boy one, like, leave it outside of Mildred's house when he realizes this has all been, this has all been for naught. I do want to ask you guys, though, because I, I'm a little bewildered that we didn't do more with it, and maybe this is, this is still coming. He actually has a date with this, with this nice lady, or what seemed like a bit of a, what seemed like a date, like a date yeah. light. <laughs> to me, and I wanted to know what your guys' take on that scene was, because if you remember the first episode that she showed up in, I immediately assumed she must be evil. Mm-hmm. I, the red hair. Yes. I'm kind of getting the vibe. I, I get bad vibes mm-hmm. from her. From when you mentioned that, I kind of, you know, something's weird about her. And the way she's she's very thirsty for this guy. Like, yeah. She's like all about the reverend, and it's and it's weirding me out a little bit. So I I don't think anything good is going to come from her. Well, I can understand that because I have a bit of a collar fetish. Um, but at the same time, so, I do but I've got a serious question then, right? Because no, yeah. but, but but for real, right? Like what? So yeah. so to both of your points, okay? So so Abby, as you say, yeah. she seems. Very specifically interested in <laughs> yeah. this guy in a town where she's, you know what I mean? It's not like she's, she's not, a, a, she's a very attractive woman. She's got, you know, it's not like there aren't social places to go mm-hmm. hang out. We, we do see some of the, the type that hangs out in bars in towns like this. They're not <laughs> yeah. always, not always the, uh, the most wholesome, fine, but it's not like she couldn't potentially have options. Yeah. So is it, so this, this collar fetish yes. concept, what, what's that about? <laughs> Well, I don't know, and I can at least attest to mine that it has to do with Edward Norton keeping the face. So maybe she really liked that movie growing okay. up. That's what happened to me. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Preacher as well. I mean, Jesse Custer's pretty fantastic looking. But, but yeah. But the Reverend's, n- no offense, no. Her, but he's not like a, a hot reverend to me well no. he's not he's definitely not like he's not dominic cooper yeah. on preacher <laughs> exactly to, but that's that's i feel really bad i feel really bad because now all men of the faith are going to have to contend with this image of a hot preacher on television it's going to make it very difficult for everybody else watch general hospital too there's no one on there <laughs> but yeah it does seem no he's not a bad no. he's not a bad looking no. man yeah. you know what i mean but he's and i understand he's he's a good man he's very dedicated he's he is he is who he says he is, and I can definitely see for for whether you're male, female. Once you get to a certain point in life and you've dated around a lot, I imagine there's something very comforting about meeting yeah. somebody and believing entirely that they are who they purport themselves to be. All that being said, I think her interest is because she's evil. Oh yeah, I think she has major ulterior motives. Well, this is Outcast, and it is by Robert Kirkman, and it's a show about making everyone's lives miserable. So this can't be a happy ending. So she's got to be evil. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm just wondering when that other that other shoe is going to drop because we're seeding her in now and she mm-hmm. gets I think a little more screen time mm-hmm. it's, it's like mm-hmm. one scene in this episode versus one scene a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. This scene was at least slightly longer. Yes. So maybe we'll see. We got to we have to work her in in a way that's organic so that when the other shoe drops it can hurt Reverend Anderson <laughs> as does. much as possible. That's what they love to do. <laughs> oh dear. But we get we get this information about his about his collection and we see Without him stating it explicitly, we see how this realization that maybe this work that I've been doing has been for nothing. We see how that that shakes him, and how how can it not shake him so profoundly? And we see, and we'll get. Well, obviously, we're going circ- to we'll circle back around to Kyle because there's a lot to talk about with Kyle. But we'll, we see how Kyle interacts with that that realization of his as well. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Kyle very much is, is is on the same mission, but he's never had that that outlook that, that Anderson has. I feel like Kyle does it because he has to, not because he feels like, you know, we're really fighting the good fight and so on and so forth. But before we get back to Kyle, because it does seem like more more so than in the previous episodes, Kyle was dealing with other people's stories more so than his own. We gotta talk about about Megan and mm-hmm. about Mark, because oh oh jeez, oh, wow. because 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 oh, <laughs> oh just yeah. oh. just a just a big like boiling cauldron of nightmare and sad. And... Yeah, their life's going downhill real quick. <laughs> so <laughs> everything Kyle touches, poor boy. So Donnie, mm-hmm. Don Donnie, Don just I just. <laughs> I can't even with words. I don't I have the vocabulary yeah. for it's. I do really okay. Uh, I do really like this actor. Really oh, yeah. enjoy his name is Scott Porter, who's playing Donnie. Really like this guy. I don't know that I've seen him before, but he I think is doing an absolutely wonderful yeah. job because he's playing sinister. He's playing sinister in a world where, as we've discussed, capital E evil exists, <laughs> and he's playing as ugly as it is a far more run-of-the-mill, uh, banal type of sinister, and yet it is, to me, every bit as as captivating and as chilling as anything else that we've seen on this show. And he usually plays good guys, especially voicing Lego games. Like I was going to say, I thought... Bucky I... Barnes, Dick Grayson, you know, really? Aquaman, and Superboy, all these Lego games. Was there movies. anything so I just looked up Scott that Porter. he was in? Because I swear he looked familiar to me. Yeah, it says he was in Heart of Dixie, a nice wholesome was family he show. A movie? Why I, I recognize him from a movie. I could be totally wrong. But I really, I really enjoyed him, too. Even though as much as I hate his character, because his character is a little... You know what? A, a little. Yeah, a, a little. little. Yeah, a lot of you know what. <laughs> but yeah. It is interesting, though, that he apparently uh, typically plays good or heroic characters. No. Because he's got, a, he's got a vibe to him. This actor, Scott Porter, has got this... It's like a wholesome vibe. A hundred percent. That's what I was thinking. He looks like he'd be a really nice, just all-American guy. Yeah, that's why he was on Friday Night Lights. No. But then it's like, it's like you watch his eyes, or mm-hmm. you just get the way he delivers certain lines, and it's like, oh, wait. Bad oh, news. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's no good. I'll be over there. I'll be by the by the coffee. Okay. Yeah. Machine yikes. Um. But so so Abby, you said specifically at the top of the show that you really liked a lot of the information that we got about about Megan's backstory specifically. So I want to know what what I mean. We know the what, but what about it? I mean, to me, I just I don't know about you guys, but that I just did not see that coming because with her, I never saw that kind of 
because you see how much it affected her and how crazy his presence coming mm-hmm. back was. And to me, I never even got a sense that something like that was like deep down inside of her until this episode. Maybe a little last episode, there was like weird things happening with her, but I just thought she was getting possessed. Okay. Yeah. To be honest, I thought last episode she was, I'm like, oh no, it's got her. But then you see this episode kind of, and the way they kind of dragged you on for a second, I in my head I was thinking, wait, is she maybe like possessed, but she really was just all these pent-up emotions from what happened to her were being brought back to life, I guess. Right. And I just didn't see it coming at all. Yeah, because to me, I did think that there was possibility that she was being possessed last uh, episode. And then until we saw that she, that guy hadn't bothered her, and I was like, well, you know, maybe she's just acting weird because something happened there. And so we kind of predicted that it was... Obviously, like, sexual assault in nature with this character. And that, you know, this guy really messed her up. Because, yeah, what were the kids? And this is why her and Kyle are so close. Because he's the one that tried to protect her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets super dark. And I don't know. It gets... And this is a dark show to begin with. This, I think, is maybe far darker than the demonic possession stuff. Far darker than even the human-on-human acts of violence, which get pretty grisly. Four episodes in, I think this is the darkest we've gone. Or at least the way I was reading it, this is the darkest Mm -hmm. we've gone. Because we get very specific information about who Donnie is to Megan. And it was this foster kid that they took in that that sexually abused her. And we get the impression, we see one flashback, but we get the impression that this was an ongoing situation. And the Mm -hmm. notion of being... This is, you know, something that I, it's not an experience I've had personally, so I can't, I can't imagine beyond intellectualizing it. But this idea of being a young person trapped in a house with your abuser, Mm -hmm. it's no wonder that she's carrying around all of this residual pain and anger and hurt so much so that we see the ways it starts to leak out of her. We see Megan actually get the gun out of the lockbox and go to his hotel room to tell him to leave town. Yeah. And do I mean, do you guys think that if she was actually pushed far enough, because it starts to get a little heated, do you think that if she was actually pushed hard enough that she might have used that gun? Oh, I think so. Yeah, to me, her character come off, comes off, that's why hearing this story was so great, is she's not a victim. She definitely stands up for herself, and this thing did happen to her, but just the way that she's dealt with it, I mean, even though bringing up these emotions, obviously not completely, just, you know, she's come out of it all right until now. Yeah, you and know. I think it's always interesting, too, when shows kind of push the limit, because mm-hmm. up until, like, Megan is a good person. Mm-hmm. In yes. this show, she is one of the good ones, so I think it's always interesting when shows push, like, what people can drive, like, good people can do bad things, too, and what's going to drive them to do that, and obviously you see all this craziness that has happened to her, so it's it's one of those questions where, would you really blame her if she, you know, right. went a little bad for a second? But I, I don't think she will, though. No. I, I don't know. I don't think it'll come down to it. I think in that scene, I could have seen her doing it had he pushed her, but I don't see her being the one to do it now. I think I think she you know? thinks too much about her life and her family, and I think she's very rational. And I think that... Her emotions were really high in, in that little confrontation they had. That's when it maybe would have happened. But I think she probably, like, talked herself down from it. Because she sure. knows she has so much to lose. Exactly. Yeah, and that's why it could only happen in the heat of the moment. Yeah. She's too practical and, you know, again, rational, thinking about her child, her husband, yeah. Kyle, people that she cares about. She wouldn't just 
maliciously murder this guy. Because yeah. that's the thing. It's like, I, I, yeah. I, I agree totally that if it actually came to, especially because you, you see Donnie in that exchange, you see him start by pushing, pushing mm-hmm. buttons mm-hmm. verbally, and he knows what he's doing. And then you see him, you know, start to advance on her. And you, you can see it very much going that way. And in the moment, especially because we're total third parties, we know we're watching a piece of fiction. It, it doesn't have the harsh immediacy of reality to it. You could almost see, well, like, I understand why in that situation she may she may pull the gun and, and plug this guy. But also, it's Lucrece is exactly what mm. you said. She's smart enough to know she's got so much that she could lose. Not mm-hmm. just herself, but she would lose her brother, she would lose her husband, she would lose her child. And then, of course, we see we see that Mark later doesn't use the same discretion. Yeah, I, want, I think that's actually a funny parallel, kind of. So I want to circle back around to that, but I also want to say, too, the exchange that they had, the, the specific argument that Megan and Donnie had about how Donnie's whole thing was eventually, you know, oh, well, I ruined your life. You know, this ruined my life, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so horrible. I, yeah. I could have punched him in the face a thousand times. Does it not? I would have shot him. I was, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, a little more violent. Well, especially because some of the stuff that, that we've been reading about in the news lately, especially, like, it just seemed crazy, crazy timely. And I'm hoping if you don't follow the news where this stuff is talked about, you'll watch this mm-hmm. episode of Outcast and you have the same reaction of just total revival revulsion to this line yes, of argument. That was the mm-hmm. worst. When I was watching, I was like, in my, I was by myself watching this, but I was like, are, are you kidding me? That frustrated me so much. Yeah, but I, but I really do appreciate that Megan has the strength, more, more than composure, more than the wherewithal, she has the inner strength not to let Donnie mm-hmm. beat her that way. Yeah. And I think part of that comes from, and this is how I want to circle back around to talking about, about Mark, because, oh boy, um, we find out that she, Mark, Mark knew about this. There was a question that I had when we started speculating last week about, because I thought too, for sure, that, that there was an element of sexual assault, which, which we had confirmed for us. The bigger question for me was, does her husband know about this? And if he doesn't, is that going to come out? Is that going to be a problem? But it turns out he knew and he was an amazing, loving, supportive figure, which I absolutely loved. Oh, yeah, I, I like that. Actually wrote when they were on their date night and everything that just in general the way the show shows their relationship, I just really I love it. I really enjoy their relationship. To me it seems like a very good relationship in this town of bad and craziness and I like how they show it a good amount because I think it balances out all of the bad that's happening in the show. Yeah, they're the bright spot. You know the what show. I mean? They yeah. do you can tell they love each other and they get each other and their relationship seems to work really well. They're and the I like seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that's going so well over there. Yeah. Um, Until now. (laughs) But, and it's, you want Megan to have someone like that so badly, especially when we see not just what she experienced in the flashbacks, but also they they keep coming back specifically to this this idea of, and Donnie says it, and he says it because he knows it's just going to dig the knife in a little bit, but that comment about how she always wanted, like, her white knight on a horse to come and, and, you know, save her, essentially. So much of the information that we get backfilled in this episode seems entirely designed to to basically tell you how that fantasy of hers was just completely destroyed and ripped away from her. And you even get the in the flashback, you get Donnie stepping on the the little horse toy thing and breaking mm-hmm. it, which maybe a little on the nose, but still mm. really, really 
effective just in case it's like we want to make sure that you're getting the point yeah. of this and then the way yeah. that's kind of what triggered her to go see Donnie at the hotel because when she was picking up her daughter's room they show her horse yeah and that was kind of like a trigger for her so to see how healthy and supportive and loving her relationship with her husband is is truly a it's a wonderful thing and it's it's like a it's a it's a feeling of relief mm-hmm. when you see them together even when Donnie interrupts their date and is exceedingly creepy seeing the two of them together being a, a rock for each other is is truly wonderful and then we get to the end of this episode where Mark uh loses his marbles just a little bit <laughs> I I right when I saw the cop I'm like Mark don't do it <laughs> don't do it you're the good guy here you're just and oh, but sometimes good guys just do, gotta show good, them who's boss. good. People do yeah. bad things yeah. too. That's a very I just I love when shows kind of push that line. Well, one thing that I really like that they're doing pretty insanely effectively so far is that at least is on this show, much like in life, there aren't really good guys and bad guys. Yeah, there are just a bunch of really complicated people. people. Yeah. So all of your quote unquote good guys will occasionally do bad or exactly. otherwise questionable things, and even your bad guys. I'm sure if you sat down with Sydney, and maybe we'll get to before the end of the season, if you sat down with Sydney, he'd probably he'd probably give you charts. He'd give you like a whole business plan for why this is not only smart but the right thing to do. And oh, he yeah. probably makes a mean tuna casserole. Probably. And he maybe has like a really sweet like grandchild. I know in some shows like the evil people all of a sudden you see them like interacting with like children that are their grandkids and you you realize oh my god they're actually nice people yeah so sydney might have some grandkids exactly some little grand sydneys and they're all evil and they all shave with them all have like weird little black hats hats they show up randomly at funerals and freak people out yeah Yeah. but they're adorable probably (laughs) But, but so you almost you almost in my opinion tell me if you disagree you almost can't Fault Mark too severely as a, a that's tricky because he's both a man who loves his wife and he's also a police officer. Yes. So I don't know, like where I, do you come down on that? I don't know. I thought that was another topic mm-hmm. that this this show, the way that they showed like the camera getting him, I thought that was another like hot issue topic like in the media in the news right now too, which is another interesting thing that this show included. Because as as a father and a wife to you know I can't fault him for defending his family but at the same time you know as a cop and as someone who's supposed to be you know he's on duty doing this like he uses his job to get this yeah this opportunity which is where I fault him it's super you know what icky. I mean he yeah. could have he could have handled it off the clock you know, if he wanted to do this, I think I would fault him way less if he did it that way. But the way that he used his job and his power to do that is where it kind of it gets yeah because it could have gone done like Kyle and got into a bar fight exactly but at the same time it's just like I don't know while it is wrong I'm glad he did it <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. I'm not I'm not unhappy that Donnie yeah. got beaten with a flashlight is what yeah. it looked like because we don't actually see it yeah. it's it's off yeah. screen which makes it of course it's like you just picture the most violent beatdown yes. you can imagine. So I do have I have two questions for both of you about that scene though. We see the beatdown happen from the POV of the camera oh, on yeah. his police car. Yeah. Now my question, my first question is okay. So so Mark is not depicted as being a neurosurgeon necessarily, but he's not 
ob- objectively entirely stupid. Mm. Do we think he just didn't think about the fact that there was a camera there, or do we think that he knows and doesn't care? I I think it was a heat of the moment thing. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, probably this, you know, if I was a cop pulling over someone I was trying to, like, beat down, I think the adrenaline would be just, like, pumping so much you're not thinking. He's already not thinking clearly if he's going to do this in general. Right. So I think that's probably the last thing on his mind. Yeah, I think once he heard that that was who that was, you know, after talking with Kyle... You know, he thought of this whole crazy plan in his mind, and probably, you know, when you hear stuff like that, you're imagining the worst-case scenario, and it's all in your head. So, yeah, he's got his adrenaline going. So, yeah, he's not thinking about his uh, dash cam camera, but considering his boss is not so squeaky clean either, I don't think he's going to be in that much trouble. That's true. He's probably like... I'll tell Chief what happened, and Chief will be like, don't do that again. And I'll be like, okay, Chief. And then we'll have cookies, and it'll be dope. Um, That's how I think his inner monologue goes, apparently. Um, uh, Yeah, okay. And it would definitely, it would almost be scarier if he had had the foresight to turn the camera off. Because that means he's thinking very clearly about everything that he's doing. That's true. (laughs) Okay. Okay, fine. Okay, so that's my first question. My second question is that when he forcibly pushes Donnie up against the car, puts his hands behind his back, you know, Donnie's talking, uh, Donnie says more than once a, a version of, you shouldn't do this, this is a bad idea, yeah. you should really think mm-hmm. You should really think twice before you do what you're doing. There are a couple of ways to read that. How did you guys read that? Uh, I, I definitely, like, noticed <laughs> yeah. it. I don't really know how I took it. I... I, I took it more as like kind of like like kind of a threat. Like if you do this, like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something back, which makes me a little nervous. Um, but with the way Donnie's kind of so sinister, he was saying it in such kind of a weird way. So I don't really know though. Yeah, know. Donnie just reminds me of the usual SVU sub, uh, suspect here. That's you know he's a spoil. He comes off as even though he's a foster kid, this who he is now. You're like he seems like a spoiled rich guy. Who thinks he's going to get away from it. Right. That's sort of how I viewed him. And you know who sells tires, but I mean that may be a big deal in this town. Sure. And yeah, that was sort of how it came off to me. Is just really douchey. And he's like, yeah, you're not going to get away with this. I'm gonna, you know be there and you're going to be in jail and then when he mentioned his daughter was when he lost it you know and the chat's talking about that as well childhood's hour as well as hikari to know who are thankful to vo- viewers in the chat here oh hi yeah hey guys yeah i don't know yeah the, the daughter thing that's why yeah. i think that almost made me take it more of a threatening thing like no. i know about your i know you have a daughter i you know what i mean yeah what he had talked about he he mentioned casually when he bumps into them that he knows that Mark's a cop from Facebook and yeah. we know from Megan investigating his hotel room he'd been Facebook stalking them. Yes. So so for me there there are two ways to read it and they're not mutually exclusive either because we know he has been Facebook stalking and we know he knows that Mark's a cop before ever meeting him. So one possible way to read it is I know you're a cop. You're on duty right now. Maybe he knows there's a cam on the car. Maybe he doesn't. But really think about it. You are, you are like we talked about Megan choosing not to. You're risking your life. You're risking your job. You're risking your family. Because if what if they don't find in your favor on this one and they arrest you for this? You're giving up everything just to hit me in the face with a flashlight. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. Be smart on that. There, that's one way to read it. Yeah. There's also 
just the pure sinister factor to Scott Porter's performance, which makes me go, is he also like an evil demon person? I was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this show, I think any character you, you question, you're going to question it at one point or another, is this person just evil? You know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and that's that's a lovely little Robert Kirkman thing, is like, you kind of question everyone's motives, and but just like in his other little show, The Walking Dead, and comic book, you're just like, honestly, the people are the real evil ones. And that's why I'm thinking Donnie isn't possessed. But we're supposed to kind of think, well, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But I think it's just like, no, he's just straight up evil. I agree. He's just a horrible person. And he was like baiting him. I mean, and that's yeah. And I, you know, I agree with you. And I do think yeah. it so speaks to the credit of the storytellers that Donnie may not have any connection to any paranormal evil, like capital E evil activity. But he at, he's just as terrifying yes. as anything on the show. Because mm-hmm. that is a type of, of evil that exists. Like, I think it's honestly more terrifying yeah. than the other type of evil. Like, I'm not, you know, I certainly don't have children. But I'd be, if I, if I had a, a family of my own and I had little ones running around, I'd be a hell of a lot more scared about someone like Donnie than about somebody yeah. like Sydney. Yeah. I know. And, and it was interesting, too, the way that they kind of foreshadowed that this is how Mark would react when... Megan is talking to Kyle and she goes, I don't want him to know that that's who it is because she knew that he would oh. kind of go off the handle. And right when she said that, I kind of figured that this kind of thing was going to go down. Because right. he is her knight. Yeah. <laughs> he is or he tries to be. And he also gets a nice moment, a lot of nice character information for everybody in this episode, but a nice moment where Mark and Kyle get a drink together. Yes. Yeah. And it's super uncomfortable, but you get you get this moment where Kyle tells Mark about Don is after he bumps into Donnie yeah. and gets into the fist fight. Which so, sidebar, Kyle just immediately goes for it. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like, I see this dude. I know what this dude did, and he doesn't like wait. He just yes. goes and starts hitting. Well, I I loved that part of this whole uh, like storyline too with Megan and Kyle because I feel like some people watching this they don't fully understand why Megan is so adamant about like helping Kyle and being you know obviously their stepbrother and sister, but. You know, with all his history, people kind of would understand why Mark doesn't want him anywhere near. And then it's nice to know, like, this is part of why he he tried to protect her. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I thought that was good information to get. Yeah, it really speaks to why their relationship is so close. And, like, hopefully now that Mark hears this with Kyle and Kyle telling him all he did... He'll sort of see it now, too, because I think that they just never really wanted to mention all of it. You know? Sure, and, and Kyle says specifically he got in the middle of them knowing full well mm. he couldn't physically beat Donnie. Yeah. So typically it was just a matter of I'm going to stand here and take a beating so that she doesn't get worse. Yeah. And Mark's reaction was, oh, I I figured this was all st- mm-hmm. this part of the story was just so I would hate you less, basically. Yeah, yeah I love that he admitted that. Like, it was so funny, because he's like, oh, I really couldn't see you doing that, but now it makes sense. Yep. So that part of it, that part of it was great, too, and, you know, it, it gave me a lot of hope that then got, got imploded a bit when Mark beat Donnie's face in, but it was nice to see the two of them start moving towards some type of understanding. Yes. And I'm hoping, regardless of, of the fallout from this beating that Mark lays down on Donnie, hopefully hopefully they will continue to move in a similar direction. I Yeah, I actually think, this is weird, but like I feel like if anything, too, if Mark does have this big fallout from this, I can see it making him and Kyle actually 
move forward quicker. I don't know. But I think we'll definitely see their relationship more. I actually, and this is almost dips into predictions, and I don't want to get there quite yet, but then they are both in a position where they did something that they believe is the right thing, and you've got everybody else pointing the finger at you, telling you you're wrong. I imagine that would probably bond the two of them together pretty quickly. I see it it go, it work in their relationship's favor if he sees some, uh, like, backlash from it. Because it was both, and it's, like, both to defend me. I don't know. No, I, I like know? that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I hope so. Again, if only because these pe- geez, these people need friends. They do. They, really they, just, they, they all need to like stick together. Because now and we see where we leave Megan in this episode is is great because we see her earlier buying glassware and it's a little bit like, why? Why is this scene in yeah. the episode? And then of course her only recourse in all of this is to go outside and just smash the crap. I thought she was, yeah. was going to shoot at them. I yeah. I did too, and then I went, oh no, because unless she's an expert, even if she is an expert shot, that's not as cathartic as just yeah, smashing just it. That's it. actually mm-hmm. one of the scenes that I thought was just mm-hmm. shot so beautifully. I love the way they did that. Yes, it was so cool. And then Pretty her mirror watch. scene, the the mirror scene was another one that was shot really well with Megan, mm-hmm. like because you've got her both sides. That was that was just really cool of an angle. Well, and it's oh. it's stuff that these these couple of moments that you guys are talking about. It's stuff that in the hands of lesser mm-hmm. filmmakers, especially mm-hmm. at the end where it feels a little bit like every time we cut away from the smashing to her face. Mm-hmm. She's got this anguished expression, and it holds on her just a little bit longer every time. That could almost play really silly if you don't have, as a team, a very, very firm grasp mm-hmm. on the story you're telling. And they clearly do because it, it, in my opinion, worked like gangbusters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just a really powerful note to end the episode on. Yes. So there are two big threads that we haven't really touched on very much yet. Uh, one is the chief, and I do want to save that for the very end, because what? <laughs> um, but I do just really quickly want to give Kyle a little bit of focus, because we've talked about him, but it's been largely in relation to everybody else's story, because Kyle, though he is ostensibly our main character, he did seem like like Kyle was more of the B, or in some cases almost C plot this week. Mm-hmm. But we do see him largely reacting to all this stuff going on between Reverend Anderson and Mildred, and we get to this realization where, you know, maybe the exorcisms that Anderson performed didn't do anything, and what could this potentially mean for, I I don't know, say, his his wife and child? And that's where we see them end the episode. And I really just bring this up only, only to say, like, man, I hope on the way, like, Anderson just buys him an ice cream or something. (laughs) be so adorable. Because just like, yeah. here you go, bud. Yeah. Like, you you need this, don't you? This poor man. I know. <laughs> but I poor have to Kyle. say, they did fulfill the buddy cop fantasy there with this turning the fat car around so fast. I'm just like, yes. I love the, the little line. I actually wrote, wrote it down because it was just like a funny where I like their partnership mm-hmm. too, where, where Reverend says something and Kyle's like, you talk to God with that mouth? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I think little things like that are kind of humorous in this situation because it's such a serious, depressing situation. But that's when I, I like their relationship and their little partnership thing that they've got going. And yeah, because so like hearing stuff like that. Because yeah, Anderson just goes, yeah, he's you know, he's said worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I really like that they, they're both in agreement that there are demons. If, if for lack of a better term, there are demons. There are There is this weird, hellish, demonic evil it's only a small leap from there to go, well, maybe there's a God and all of this is real. Yeah. 
there's still plenty of room for irreverence within that, which I appreciate a great deal. Uh, and also Grace Zabriskie. I just appreciate <laughs> yes. a great deal. Okay, so so before we run out of time, we got to talk about what's going on with Chief and this this investigation. He seems to because last week it seemed like he was like going to cover something up, mm. and it was super weird and sinister. Yeah. And maybe he knew stuff he wasn't telling. Now, does it seem to you guys like that's not the case at all? And he just decided for whatever reason, I'm, I'll just take this one by myself. Yeah. See, I didn't get I didn't get the vibe last week. I know I wasn't here, but I didn't think that he was trying to cover anything up. Okay. I thought he was just kind of like throwing it to the back because he kind of just let Mark go get all that stuff just to kind of like shut him up. Like, fine, go do that. To me, I didn't think he was covering anything up. And like, I mean, this week, obviously. Yeah. He's not, but... Yeah, so in the chat, Childhood's Hour said, I told you guys last week that he recognized the watch, and he did. Yep. And yeah, and that's really what p- prompted it. And Hikari Tino has a really good question. It's like, what happened in that trailer, and what does the chief really know? It's pretty clear that he knows a lot more than we've seen and what we're saying, because yeah, he brings this guy over to his house, uh, the barbecue. This character kinda, whose name, yeah. apparently, I didn't catch it in the episode, I caught it when I was, I, I did some reading after the fact, mm-hmm. this character's name is Ogden. Ogden. Which I, which is great, and I'm wondering why didn't we get more people saying the name Ogden, Ogden. out loud in yes. this episode, because it's wonderful. But he does, he has, he has Ogden over, returns the watch, and there's very, it did, it did take me a second to remember the watch, because he hands in the watch, he's like, I found this, I think this is yours, and the music, yeah. and the music's like, and for a second I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what watch? What? What? And then, it, you know, I put it back together, I like retro-filled mm-hmm. it in my brain, but then we see, like, Chief's dog flips for, out. Yes. At Ogden, right? And he's supposed to be, you mm-hmm. know, dog. Dog's a good judge of character. He he knows what's going on. But, but we don't know what's going on. The dog the dog knows, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I still get the vibe. I don't think the chief really knows much. I think he recognized the watch, knows I know who this belongs to, and so now he's trying to figure it out on his own time before he kind of does anything. But I don't think he really knows anything that happened. Yeah, I don't either anymore i was ready to to fully like double down hard on oh he told he knows what he knows something but now i'm just like i think i think maybe he has suspicions without knowing for sure and that's why we see he gets his, his gear on he goes on a little stakeout I, by himself after that scene where it was like this big whole thing where his wife's like i don't know if she said say you love me or kiss me or something i i wrote something bad is going to happen right? to the chief. Like, oh, yeah. Something, I thought it was going to happen this episode, but some some bad stuff's coming his way. Yeah, because uh, for we've seen his nice little relationship with yes. his wife. We're like, oh, this guy's doomed. And the thing is, is with the chief, yeah, I don't, I think he knew the watch, and that was it. You know, at first we're suspicious because we're suspicious of everyone, but yeah, he he's wondering what the hell this guy did and what was going on in the trailer, because obviously there's something messed up. And being that the dog reacted that way and seeing every other horror movie, he's possessed. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so that, and I guess the questions now I have about that I can save for for predictions, which we'll get to in a minute. But then, yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, so he goes out to the woods and he sees he sees from a distance Ogden torch the cabin. Yes. Uh, I hope that he waits for Ogden to, like, get out and then, like, call someone, because that's going to start a big old fire that's going to burn down the whole forest. That's good for nobody. That's yeah, not- that was actually my first reaction. I'm like, wait, isn't this going to start a huge forest fire? No. It's like, Ogden, there are far Ogden. more eco-friendly ways mm. to break down your crime scene, dude. Ogden. Ugh. Just bleach it. 
<laughs> we could we could make so much paper out of yeah. those trees. We could write books about things. We'll never get to read them now. Because Ogden doesn't now. care about anyone but himself. Clearly, no. oh, him, maybe Sydney. Maybe, maybe him and yeah, Sydney. Maybe, maybe kicks up to Sydney. But then, but then finally, Chief calls Mark at home, and Mark has just come back oh, from beating yes. Donnie, and he calls him, and says, "Okay, all that evidence that you found." I think we're maybe going to send this evidence out and we're going to get it all analyzed yes. and tested. So we're now actually finally ready to move forward on this and, and maybe we'll see the two of them work together on it a little bit more in the future. I don't think it'll hurt Mark going forward to be as as uh, close to, to the chief, chief as possible. I yeah. think just the more you can ingratiate yourself with the guy who has the authority to fire you over something like what you yeah. just did, probably for the better. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see where that where that goes. And before, do you guys have any other plot related things that you want to touch on really quickly before we move into just wild speculation? I don't think so. No, I'm I think good. we covered it all. We covered no. a lot of stuff. Yes. Okay. So now that we've covered all the stuff we do know, let's talk about the stuff that we don't know. Let's mm-hmm. speculate wildly and move into predictions. Yes. Your After Buzz TV predictions. Phew. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'm just going to focus on, like, one little spectrum, and I'm I'm, I'm going towards Donnie and Mark situations here. Okay. So I, I definitely, for I don't see this playing out well for Mark, as even as close as he is with the Chief. Honestly, when, when he was kind of washing the, his hands as the Chief called, I thought that that was kind of on purpose, because it's like he's washing off, like, this awful thing that he just did right when his career could kind of go into this, like, whoa, like, I could be part of helping this, and I don't think he's going to be able to be a part of it. Because there's really, I mean, there's no, how do, you can't cover that up. Well, that's the thing, it's like, do you think, my my question for you, based on what you just said, is like, do you think he's going to try to keep it a secret? Because he is washing, like, the symbolism of him washing his hands while talking to his boss. I think, I think he's totally going to try to keep it under wraps, and I, I think it might last, I think it might be a secret for a little bit, but the way they set it up with the camera and stuff, it's it's they wouldn't do that. How if long it wasn't could you exactly. possibly cover that up? So I think that that's going to be a thing. And then I for sure a hundred percent know that Donnie I, is going to do some weird stalker, creepy stuff. Maybe like talk to the daughter, and the daughter is going to like say something to the mom and bring up his name and just kind of like psychologically mess with Megan. I think. Yeah, a lot of the chat was predicting as well that Donnie was going to somehow meet the daughter and freak them out. That's what I'm I think. hoping. Nothing worse than that. Just yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't yeah. think he is going to hurt the daughter, but I think it's going to be more to get in the heads of Mark mm-hmm. and Megan. So those are my couple predictions for now. Okay, what do you since since it seems like now Kyle and Reverend Anderson are going to make a beeline directly for uh, Allison and Amber? What do, what do you think is going to happen there? Do you think that maybe they are still secretly possessed? Do you well, think they maybe dodged that bullet? I, I think I, that possibly Allison. I think is. Allison. Yeah, I, I don't think the the daughter. Is. I think that everyone that the Reverend yeah. thought that he helped is still possessed. Okay, but it's but it's interesting the way that they're possessed in a different way because you see the Mildred and the flashbacks they were having all these like crazy like you're clearly possessed and that's where the funny thing is is how would I not know that I'm preaching so so he might have done something to the demon but not completely taking it out of the people because we saw a scene with Allison and she seemed to be normal and functioning but maybe there's just a different sort of demon left in there. 
Yeah, that's right now. I think my biggest question about the mythology is that specifically. And if if uh, Joelle was here, she's uh, unfortunately out this week. She's read the comics, so I could at least ask her in a non-spoilery yes or no type of way. In the comics, have we figured out yet what the hierarchy is or it's hinted very strongly that there's more than one type of yes. possessing demonic force. Do we do we know more about that yet in any version of this story? And how where does creepy Brent Spiner and his hat <laughs> figure into figure in all of this? Yeah. So yeah, because I mentioned that Mildred was possessed for over two years, Childhood's Hour said, and that's the thing is, you know, when Kyle's situation, I, I don't think his daughter, because maybe it doesn't really stay in kids, because we seem to see that they're okay. But, yeah, with Allison, there is always this underlying, because, yeah, I mean, if you were told you were possessed by a demon or whatever, you might could understand why your husband punched you in the face. But, yeah, the fact that she's still all angry about it is like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you would think, even if you weren't totally conscious yeah. of being possessed, that you'd probably be able to go, hey, I wasn't here for, like, yeah. for like three years. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I can get behind all of yeah. that. And it's mostly, yeah, I feel like for me, it's more, it's, it's less specific predictions and more stuff that I'm just deeply curious about. Exactly. Yeah. As far as, for me, specific predictions, I predict that we're just going to see Sydney hanging out more places oh, yeah. for, for whatever reason <laughs> with no specific agenda. He'll just, he'll be at the Dairy Queen. We'll just see him in the back. He's like, mm, this, this blizzard is delicious. Yeah. And it'll be a totally innocuous statement, mm. but the camera will slow zoom into him. With the score, music. Yeah, the score will be like, it's like, what's about to happen to that blizzard? He's like, this blizzard is tasty banana mm. cream pie. And that's it. And that just cuts to somewhere. We don't talk about it again. Yeah. We don't see him eating ice cream again. For sure. That's my prediction. I will be sorely disappointed if we don't get that exact scene. I know. Now I'm really well, hoping for it. Because you did want them to stop and get ice cream. So I do. I think it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I feel like a little ice cream, some yeah. frozen confections would do yeah. a lot to brighten the world of this for show sure. up quite a bit. Some sort of sweets. Like just, does anyone anything? Does anyone smile on the show, you know what I mean? No, you know what? Patricia smiled when they were having their little date. That's yeah. how we knew she was evil. And, and Donnie, Donnie smiled. smiled. Donnie did smile. I no longer feel good about smiles, you guys. Yeah, no. smiles are bad. Like, smiles are even bad. Blake smiled, and I'm like, I miss Blake, I want him back. I'm I'm pretty sure that Outcast has yeah. ruined expressions of happiness for yes, me. Yes, it has. <laughs> Alright, uh, I think, unless we've got anything else that we specifically want to touch on uh, for this week, for next week, that's probably going to do it for us. Yeah, yeah. So until we come back, where can people find you guys on the internet? Oh, I'll go first. <laughs> you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. And you guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N since there is only one. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I will I will do that. <laughs> yeah. You guys can find me all over social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you guys for joining us for another Outcast After Show. We will be back next week. We hope you are as well. In the meantime, we're going to go get some ice cream and yes. try not to be as sad as some of these characters. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 